And now, right to your hosts of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. Welcome to the ninth season of Down the Garden Path, where each week we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down-to-Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host and co-author, Matthew Dressing. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it's important and possible to have great gardens, which are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen. That's right. And with the gardens and days, sorry, days growing longer and the weather warmer, the itch to be outside in our garden is growing stronger. Makes it a perfect time to look at what's trending in 2023. Tonight, we welcome back Garden Media Group's Katie DeBow to share with us what's trending in the 2000, oh my goodness, two, <laughs> this year's Garden Trends Report. Uh, do you have a question for Katie about Garden Media Group or the 2023 Garden Trends Report? Perhaps you'd like to share what is trending in your area. Write us here at Down the Garden Path Podcast at hotmail.com. And please hang around for the end of the show for our new Stepping Stone segment, where Matt and I discuss what is happening in the garden now. That's right. And so just before Katie joins us, for those of you who maybe haven't met Katie, a little bit about Katie. Katie Dubow is the president of Garden Media Group, a woman-owned and run public relations firm specializing in the home and garden industry and celebrating its 32nd year in business author of the annual Garden Trends Report, Katie travels the world scouting and presenting garden trends to audiences from Italy to Chicago. Katie lives and gardens in Westchester, Pennsylvania with her husband, two daughters, one dog, and six chickens. <laughs> Find her in the garden with her children practicing yoga, dancing to Zumba, and her goal is to convince people that brown thumbs can, in fact, be turned green. Welcome back to the show, Katie. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Oh, we're so we're, glad to have you. Yes, back. we definitely are. It's great. <laughs> and I actually, um, we're hatching eggs right now. So that six chickens have has grown. We have seven <gasps> little babies who just just hatched this morning. So very exciting. Oh, that's very exciting. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and because it's getting light out now, right? They start laying more. We're doing the incubator. So okay. we have, yeah, so we don't have a rooster. So we had to get these from a, a friend who has a rooster, but, um, you know, it's just adding to the flock. They really are one of the most fun pets I have ever had. They oh, really? you when you run outside, they look like, like little ladies hiking up their skirts, running across the lawn <laughs> and you know, they, they're companions as I garden, they're kind of oh. like picking it rubs and stuff. They really, they're fun to have out there. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh, that is That's really so good. much fun. <laughs> yeah. And definitely on trend, man. People picked up chicken um, keeping over the pandemic, didn't they? They did. They did. We had, uh, oh, what was the chicken we did, Matt? The, um, oh, we rent did. a chicken. Yes, right. Have chicken you heard of rent year. a chicken? I, I've heard of similar things. 
Yes. So yes, they were a guest on the show and that is a great, what a concept. So you rent them for the season and then you give them back at the end of the season and they give you everything you need, you know, what could be easier? Yep. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So true. So what about for our new listeners or those who maybe aren't familiar with Garden Media Group, can you start by telling us a little bit about what goes on in producing such a report? Yes. So Garden Media Group was started by my mom, as you said, um, actually 35. This is our 35th year. So it's really, really exciting. That's okay. I mean, it's such an accomplishment. And I'm so proud to be able to uh, have taken over in 2020. And um, of course, what a crazy year to have taken over as a new business owner. But we do, we, what we like to say is, you know, we help customers get their products in front of their, of, of the people who need them. And so we only work with brands in the horticulture space. And then about 22 years ago, she first started making the garden trends report. And it was actually the Philadelphia flower show here where I am outside of Philadelphia is coming up in just a week and a half. And it was at the Philadelphia flower show that said, do you you have a trend report? Could you make a trend report? So she created this report Ah. and um, that first trend, there was just one and it was France. That was the trend. Um, everything French would be trending that year. And um, that teleport was was born and we've been doing it ever since on an annual basis. Wow. That's amazing. And yeah. now the Garden Trends Report, um, you've been doing it for so long. You guys have been able to actually very accurately some years predict what's co- like right down to the letter, what's coming up. We have. I mean, it's funny. Now there's a lot of people who do predict trends. Um, and I love to see all of the different ideas that come out. Um, and so it's one of my fun things to be like, oh, yeah, we, we predicted that like three years ago. The one that you're saying, <laughs> um, you know, uh, vegetable gardens that were coming back now back in like 2007, 2008. We saw the rise of vegetable gardening, um, young men, the rise of young men gardening was coming back because that was a pre-World War II thing where men were the big gardeners in the family. And so, at least in the United States. And so um, that we we predicted. One trend we missed, though, and I always make this joke, but was fairy gardening. We did not see that one coming. We missed (laughs) it, and I'm not super sad about it. (laughs) Uh, So this year's report is titled, I Believe in Me. Um, can you, I think it's a very strong title. I, I can definitely <laughs> feel uh, the trend. Can you tell us yes. how did you come into that title? Well, you know, what we do, the way that we make our trends is that, and we've already started, by the way, working on 2024. So it's basically as soon as we wrap the previous year, the trends report usually comes out about September. And okay. so we, we like to figure out what all of our trends are before we determine what the overarching theme is going to be. You, you guys have written a book, so I don't know if you did your title last. I've heard that from, from authors is that they have to write their title last. Um, but we, we like to figure out what is that thread that ties all of these trends together. Mm-hmm. And for us okay. this year, it was there were actually two driving forces. It was the expression of the individual. And then having that access, so self-reliance, so self-expression and self-reliance were two things that we were seeing throughout all of our trends, but also just out in mainstream society that people were really wanting to have, uh, to establish themselves, to create some sort of little identity in this crazy world that we live in. 
and then educating our, ourselves on how the products that we buy, the you know people we follow, how that represents who we are. Um, and then you know, of course, personal empowerment. So we got through COVID, and I know that mm-hmm. a, you know it was a big struggle for a lot of people. But we really believe that t- coming into 2023, now here we are. Gosh, oh Lord, almost two full months in. Um, that this this is going to be a year about really big personal empowerment. That if people learn how to grow their own food during COVID, what can't they do? Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. And I think everybody's growing their own food. I think, Joanne, you're venturing into more growing your own food. Yes. Uh, I yeah. was showing off some of the food that I was about, I'm growing this awesome. year. Awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think. I think it really, you know, people also, one of the big trends we saw was people getting into herbalism and tapping into their roots, that individuality, but using the garden. That's one thing about our trends report is there are lots of trends out there, but the trend that's happening in society has to tie back to the garden. So we're not just doing an overarching trend report. We really want to know what are people, what's going to change their behaviors as it relates to how they interact with plants. And so it's, we really saw a lot of that um, that personal reliance and the the concept that we've kind of learned we can't control what's happening externally from us, but we can control what we do, what we think, and what we buy. Right. Yeah. So why don't we jump right in? I think that's a perfect segue. So what are some of these main points that make up this year's trends in the garden? How are we empowering ourselves and taking back our control? So we have seven trends this year, um, but it usually varies between six and 10 trends. So we have seven this year. And the first one is called the Tesla effect. And, and the way that our trends are, that we go through them is kind of like the biggest, the macro trend, the one that affects most people. And then it kind of whittles down to the smallest trend at the end. And so we really found that this idea of technology in the garden, which shockingly has never been a trend before. So we have never talked about technology in the garden. And truth be told, it's because it just really didn't exist. You know, Mm -hmm. we use smart devices for so much. In fact, we were just talking in the beginning of this about AI and the rise of AI. Like it really is that the technology is moving so rapidly right now. It's really hard, I think, for us to wrap our brains around how quickly it's moving. And so... Of course, we did not know that these things would exist when we came out with our trends report, but we really feel like this is the year that technology is going to make changes in our garden. And I know, you know, we mentioned the Seed to Spoon app by Park Seed in our trends report and Mm -hmm. how apps are even making a comeback, comeback. But one of the things, the reason we call it the Tesla effect is because the truth is that the lawn and garden industry has gone electric or battery powered faster than any other industry three times faster than the electric car industry. So I think people don't realize how quickly we have adapted electric lawnmowers, electric leaf blowers, or battery powered, you know, these tools that we use. And it really is changing the way that people, people look at their landscape. When I was um, in this summer, I was in a store and I was talking to a woman about our trends report, because I kind of just like to get everyone as I'm, (laughs) as we're sitting with them. Yeah. people's opinion and she owned the store and she was probably in her 60s maybe a little older and she told me that her husband had just passed away and that she didn't know what she was going to have to hire somebody to maintain her lawn and then she discovered 
her battery powered string trimmer and a battery powered leaf blower. And then all of a sudden she was telling me how much she felt, how empowered she felt that she Mm. never was going to be able to pull that string to start one of these pieces of equipment. But now she feels like, you know, even though she misses her husband dearly, she feels that she can still move on, care for herself in a way that she never thought that she could. And that's something that Lord have mercy, the lawn and garden industry gave to her, you know, so she really felt like she could do something and make a change. So I think that that is, that is really neat. And here in the States, you know, Canada is usually way ahead of us, but we're offering vouchers to, to make changes. So landscape companies and individuals to switch to lawn equipment, California is going to actually ban gas powered mowers in Mm -hmm. next year, totally ban them. Yeah. That's crazy. I can't imagine So I think that these smart tools that are becoming the norm now are what's going to take our our little, you know, this hobby that we love really to the next level. And I think it's going to happen so much faster, like technology is moving now. I think it's just going to happen faster than ever. Yeah. Do you have a, oh, do you have a favorite piece of technology in the garden yet? Well, so this, um, summer, I was introduced to a brand called Turtle, T-E-R-T-I-L-L. And it is a robotic weeding device. It's a little mini string trimmer on wheels, basically. And so the research shows that chopping the heads off of weeds consistently is just as effective as pulling them. So I had it in my vegetable garden, which is mulched around raised beds. And sometimes Many, many summers, the weeds in that mulch get so out of control, they've grown up into the raised beds and I just can't oh, keep wow. up with them. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I put this device, I actually got two because my, my vegetable garden's a little bit bigger. So I got two and it, they, like a Roomba or, a, you know, these robotic yeah. vacuum cleaners, yeah. it moved around the garden, string trimming all of my weeds. Now I did see a few, like, you know, I saw that they were shorter, but it really saved me so much time. I was able to do the things that I love, which is yeah. not weeding. Call me crazy, <laughs> um, Gary, see? Um, yeah. But we were able, I was able to maintain my garden and this made my life easier. So that's one thing that I discovered this summer. And I think that we're going to see more and more things like that evolve. Absolutely. Oh. Now I'm curious that it ran, I know the show's not about that, uh, that uh, <laughs> device, but it went on top of the mulch and everything. It did. It has kind of like big chunky wheels and I would go out there every now and again and it would have kind of dug itself a little hole and I would just have to pick it up and move it. But yeah, yeah, solar powered. It's out there right now. It doesn't run, but I left it out all winter. We have not had that bad of a winter. So I don't know if you're supposed to do that, but uh, (laughs) you'll find out. You didn't have snow at all. I know we had. Oh, okay. We've had snow and then we've lost it, but like it's melted and now it's yeah. a few times. So interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think even apps like the spoon to fork app are getting better and better. Yes. Um, I know I've been using like Google lens to take a yes. photo of a plant or a leaf for ID, like yes. no more flipping through books and, and take, or taking the leaf and going back home and trying to figure out what it is compared yep. to one of our books. Like it's, I think it's almost making us um, like want just like a- any industry want information instantly for and, sure and now I, we can do it yes uh, you can do it then you can figure out if it is a pest what kind of you know what you need to do right there at your fingertips what you need to do con- to control it so yeah. i think in the long run these kinds of tools are going to make us more successful so it's gonna the 18 million gardeners or however many gardeners we got over the pandemic i think they're very accustomed to using this kind of technology in their daily lives 
you know, whether you're creating grocery lists or whatever, it's all operated from your phone. So I think that it's just a natural process for the garden. You know, of course, we still want to check out. Of course, we still want to be able to be in our garden, connect with nature, unplug from our devices. Um, <laughs> but I think the reality is, is that we always have that phone in our back pocket. And so to be able to identify something, uh, make your life easier and make you more successful at gardening, that's a win-win for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that it trumps because I think people want everything in one place. So like that's yeah. unfortunately what the phone does. So even, yeah. you know, the pool, cause they want it when they, they've all the people not only are gardeners, but they put in pools and they yeah. want to now control, they don't want to walk to the pool equipment like we do here in old school still, but they want it on their phone or they're lighting yeah. for their new landscape. they want it on their phone. So I think, um, you know, to have everything in one place, it's now become the phone, even though we do want to kind of disconnect, but uh, you know, we still go back to the phone. Yeah, we do. We plug in to unplug. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, that's a good way to say it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so you've also talked about the backdoor revolution. Yeah. So that's our next trend. Also really, you know, on that macro scale, I live here in a suburb of Philadelphia and our housing market is still as hot as ever. I was just talking to a neighbor tonight and they, the house came up for sale in our neighborhood. Yesterday, they had six offers today. Someone bid 50 grand over. So it is still this amazingly, I, you know, I know the market has slowed a little bit for sure, mm-hmm. but the backdoor revolution really uh, focuses on this housing shortage that we're experiencing right now. Even though the, that, that since we wrote this report, the, the housing shortage or the crisis has cooled, we still have um, a... A, a shortage of inventory. So there are more people who want to buy homes than are available. And people are still being priced out. I mean, home values have risen 32% in the past two years. Mm-hmm. So it's, and, and what that really does is it affects this millennial generation. So the experts predict that 73 million millennials who are these first prime first time home buyers who really would be active, you know, putting in foundation landscaping, maybe hiring a land, uh, you know, a landscaper to help them design a garden or even care for their lawn, whatever, the very basic. Um, learn how to grow some containers and some vegetables. They don't think that that group will return to normal until 2030. So we have a pretty long trickle effect of this housing crisis. And of course, it's affecting rentals as well. So how does this affect the garden industry? Uh, we're missing that middle of the market. And so we were researching and we we saw this really kind of different places. And this is how it works with trends, right? You see it one way. I, a garden center in Michigan actually sent me the term backdoor revolution. It just kind of comes from different places. And you realize this is happening all over the place and it's going to affect our industry. So it's the accessory dwelling unit or the ADU. And it's this pop-up little tiny home that um, people are putting in their yards to alleviate these types of shortages. And the magazine Forbes coined this year as the year of the ADU. So it's helping alleviate the shortages of housing, helping alleviate the mortgage costs of the person who bought this tiny little home or, you know, this home now for an exorbitant amount of money. It can help offset their their mortgage costs. And it also allows people who maybe wouldn't be able to afford living in a great neighborhood, access to the best schools, close to their job, transportation, you know, all of the great things about uh, maybe a more expensive neighborhood. Now you now people can live in that neighborhood. 
here in the States, what the big thing that was holding us back was zoning. And it, mm. zoning reform is happening across the country. Portland started, Portland, Oregon started in 2001. Houston, Texas was next. Minneapolis has legalized tri uh, trip triplexes. So they did not have the ability to do that in the city. So cities all across the, the country here are, are changing their zoning and allowing people to have more proper, more um, pervious, impervious. What is it? I can never remember when the water can't seep, seep through. Impervious. Impervious surface than they were before. And so what that does for us is enables us to say, hey, you've got a neighbor right there and you're sharing. Maybe they're your child who has never <laughs> quite left the home. Maybe it's, a yeah. <laughs> maybe it's a parent who's moving back in with you. But regardless, maybe you're renting it out. But privacy is really important for this particular situation. Huge. Yeah. And so it's it's it, container gardening, really. It's not new, right? Container gardening is not new. Vertical gardening is not new, but it's understanding the way that people are living now and figuring out how to help them design their spaces. So maybe they need more tall, you know, things that can grow up, arbors, trellises, mm -hmm. um, more petite plants. There's a the knockout rose, which is an enormous, amazing you know, landscape shrub that's been around for 20, 30 years. Um, now they have a petite knockout rose. So things that are the great plants that we know and love that now work in smaller spaces. So really helping people understand you can still live up close to somebody. You can still have this great landscape, this beautiful landscape and have privacy and make it feel really special. So that's that's what the backdoor revolution is. It's the changing the way that people are living, but helping them see that they can live still in these gorgeous oases. Amazing. Wonderful, yeah. And I love I love that it means they the help with uh, landscape designers, right? Because we yes. love to. I mean, it is so much fun to design tiny spaces, you know. I so. bet it's a, yeah, I'm sure it's a more of a challenge the smaller you're Can designing, be. but yeah. it's helping people. Um, make the most out of their space. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of people just can't see it. And so they put up a fence and it's, oh gosh, just a fence. And then what can, yeah. we, what can we do with that space? And I think it, it really is um, a landscape designer challenge to, to help people understand how, how people want to have beauty right outside their door. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the trend then also goes to they don't want grass. So Correct. that so because they've got so little space, they want to maximize it with plants. I had several of those last year. And I think that's a yep. great that's a great trend right there. Yeah, um, thank you. you know? I think we're thinking of that for 24. I think we'll miss the boat. We might have missed the boat on it. We'll see once it comes out because mm -hmm. um, we wanted to sneak it in this year. But man, everywhere I turn, I see this this you know, meadow or the idea of people replacing their lawns. And it makes me so excited. Yes. yes. Yeah, for sure. Well, we've got a couple of listeners who have written in Carl and Kelly, both wondering um, where they might be able to find the garden trends report from garden media group. Uh, I think they are anxious to follow along perhaps with some of our <laughs> other listeners. Um, Katie, did you want to just quickly say, you know, where can they go and is there anything they need to do to get the report? Yep. So go to our website. It's gardenmediagroup.com. And if you do a backslash trends, it'll take you right to the report. Um, but it's also right on our homepage. So if you just go to gardenmediagroup.com, you'll find the trends from there. And in fact, if you're really looking for some, you know, fun Monday night, um, activity, 
activity, we have all 21, 20 past reports on that homepage there. So you can see how we have been right about some and we've missed some others. That's amazing. So gardenmediagroup.com to get your copy of uh, the 2023 and all the other uh, garden trends reports. Amazing. That's right. And we'll also, of course, have a link in our show notes uh, for the podcast for our listeners who are listening um, later. That's right. So what is our next trend? We had our backdoor revolution. What's next? Yep. After the backdoor revolution, we have one called accessible gardening. And of course, you know, one of the big things we're talking about here is access. Um, And this one is the one that's gotten people's feathers a little ruffled. So I am curious what you guys and all you listeners think. Um, we follow, I follow and admire a trend predictor named Faith Popcorn, and she has coined the term super agers. And she says that we are entering an era of this time of the super ager where it's hundred is the new 50. You know, people are living longer and living healthier than ever before. They're living as their brains are functioning as if they were 30 years younger. They have longer ranges of productivity. They live in multiple locations, have multiple careers. And we look at the AD, the backdoor revolution, and we think this is a perfectly suited place for people, these super agers to live. Um, There are things that are happening that Faith predicts about virtual reality and augmented reality that I don't think necessarily apply to the garden industry. But one of the things that really stuck with me about this trend is a lot of our energy in marketing, not just in the garden industry, but in general, is so focused on millennials, Gen Z. You know, it's really kind of forgetting the boomers. And this trend made me think, you know, we have this amazing generation of people who have been loyal gardeners, very, very traditional loyal gardeners, and they're living longer than ever. And so how are we going to make sure that we understand what they need and how their needs are changing and to make sure that we are are tapping into that and giving them the products that they need? So in this case, we're looking at um, this, this idea of maybe nostalgia. So tapping into things that are comfortable from their past, things that are um, nostalgic for their past. Some of the things that we we came across were, you know, maybe this group took a honeymoon to Hawaii. So it's that mid-century modern. It's um, this plant that I just love, Royal Hawaiian Waikiki. It's a colocasia. It gives very much those Hawaiian vibes. So they're designing these gardens that tap into their roots. Millennials are doing this nostalgia, by the way, too, but they're not nostalgic necessarily for things that they ever had. They're buying vinyl. You know, they're buying these <laughs> records and turntables. Yeah. Um, so the nostalgia is not just about boomer. So if this is something that people are feeling or identifying with, or as a brand, if you sell products, you're not just focused on boomers here. Everyone kind of is loving this nostalgia um, and being able to look back into our past. You know, things do always come around. Yeah. And then the other thing here we really want to have help people remember is that, you know, this this group of super agers maybe has changed their zone. Maybe they don't necessarily know what it's like to garden in containers as much because they had an acre of land. And Mm -hmm. so we're thinking of the idea of landscape designers and the idea of maybe also having a section of your business called a, a coach, a landscape coach or a plant coach, because this cut this super ager thinks, well, I don't need a designer. I've been doing this for 40 years. Mm-hmm. I, I know what I'm doing, but maybe they need a little bit of coaching in understanding their that new zone, as we as I was saying. And mm-hmm. so 
it's something that we really think could help assist and appeal not just to the boomer generation, but certainly to a younger generation as they start to learn what it is to live in their yard. And maybe they think a landscape designer is not accessible to them. And they think it might be too expensive. So yeah. that entree point into helping them with their yard is just changing the name. It's just yeah. a coach mm. and helping them have success. That's great. What a great idea. Yeah. Yes, that's a great um, idea. I can think of someone we both know that I think is a yes. plant coach. <laughs> cool. Very much so. But I think a design as designers, Matt and I know we're both we are coaches too. Exactly. And I think I think anybody who looks into landscape design, they'll realize, I mean, you can you can buy a but you can spend good money buying all the wrong plants and wasting them, right? Like Absolutely. I think I, I've always and I know I'm biased, but I think we save you money because it's the right plants at the right time. And one of the trends I can see with that is when they've like they've been for 30 years on their like two acres of property and the plants that they planted 30 years ago you know, Wigilia's, Rosacea, they now are, there's better varieties and they're, you know, now if they're in a smaller space, there's plants that don't get as big. And so I think even, you know, they know what they want, but they just getting help. And I think it's, it is very cost effective to hire someone to to help you, whether it's just with a, on a plan on paper or whether it is someone just to have a consultation and, and some coaching. Uh, It really pays for itself because you plant the wrong things and like plants still are, you know, they're an investment, right? Absolutely. Um, and they still can die. Like they are a perishable good. Um, it's different than interiors, right? Like, you know, you can, yep. you can mess it up. And if the couch doesn't look good, you can, re- or the table that, you know, you can take it back yep. or whatever, or yep. put it somewhere else in another room. But when it comes to the garden, those they, it still is perishable. So yeah. having someone that, you know, suggests and maybe even warranties the plant in, in your yard, um, you know, I think it, it, it can be a big help. Again, I know I come with a big asterisk on my, my comments. <laughs> well, but, no, you're uh, right. But, and the thing know. about like the couch is always going to look the same in the room. It's never going to grow. The plants, you know, I think people also don't, can't wrap, especially if you're not experienced, the idea that, okay, this is what it looks like today, but what about two years, three years down the road? So that's what I think a coach or a designer obviously really helps people know that this is for the long term here. You're making a big investment. That's right. Because that becomes a challenge with the small plants, you know, like they'll, then they plant them still as far away as they would have planted the bigger ones. And then it's like, well, I, it's still not growing. Like something's wrong. Like, yeah, they're, you know, they're not going to get as big. So yeah. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of stuff that uh, we can help with. And I think, um, and we were, we pay for ourselves easily, I think. So, so that's great. So I love that trend. I really do. (laughs) Great. So as we hit the bottom of the hour, I'm going to just interject and say thank you, everyone, for joining us here live on Reality Radio 101. You're listening to Down the Garden Path. I'm Matthew Dressing here with my co-host and co-author, Joanne Shaw. uh, And uh, we enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week, bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and from the wonderful guests that join us here on the show, such as Katie DeBow from the Garden Media Group as we talk about 2023's Garden Trend Reports. So don't forget, you can spend more time with us down the garden path. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Down the Garden Path Podcast is our handle there. And you can now find past and current episodes on YouTube as well. So don't forget to tune in to YouTube or your favorite podcast provider. Hit that subscribe button to be notified of new comment of new contents. And please don't forget to like, share, and leave us a comment. We love hearing from you. 
as we continue into our uh, discussion about the 2023 plant uh, garden report and our trends, what is another one of our big trends moving through the 2023 well, year? This next one is um, was the last addition into the trends, and it's called Plant Talk, and it's about TikTok. And oh, it's yeah. something that, to be honest, I was a little shy about joining TikTok. I, I can admit it. I am addicted to yeah. my phone. And so I'm on <laughs> it already enough. Do I need yet another platform? Yeah, I feel, yeah. Mm-hmm. Dive into and so I was a little resistant, but I have a great team on, you know, at Garden Media Group. We all come together for the trends. And I really, I heard some of, you know, particularly my younger staff say, TikTok, it, it plants and the word gardening is the fourth most searched thing on the app. And when I heard that, I thought, holy cow, we have got to be talking about this because most of the people in the industry kind of ignore TikTok as well, like I was doing, but Mm -hmm. the consumer, the customer who is out there is not. Um, And so as we started researching it, we realized there's a lot of other other industries that are doing this too. Restaurant industry was ignoring TikTok. A headline in the New York Times said, New York restaurants can't ignore TikTok anymore. And then I don't know if if either of you have heard of BookTok. Mm -hmm. Yes. So (laughs) similar, Matthew, I feel like you're a big TikToker. Are you into <laughs> You caught me red-handed. <laughs> I I hate I just I love TikTok. I love there's plant talk and book talk and trek talk and all sorts of stuff. My partner cannot stand that I watch TikTok, period. I do I have to admit I spend too much time probably looking at <laughs> trends and what's happening in plants and all the other things on TikTok, yes. Yeah. It but he's not but he won't post videos himself. So yeah. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> Well, I think it's really interesting. You know, so a couple stats about TikTok. Users spend an average of 52 minutes a day on the app, which is a lot of time. And 90% visit it more than once a day. And there's a billion monthly active users. So you're not alone, basically. Uh, There's a lot of people there on the platform. And one of the things that also got me was that people think it's just for the younger generation or it's just dance videos, but it's not. People come to TikTok for like investment advice. We already talked about book recommendations. It's bringing books that were, you know, bestsellers from 20 years ago back on the bestseller list, or it is helping authors who maybe don't have the big publishing house behind them. They're self-published, but it's helping them get their books in front of people who wouldn't have seen them otherwise. Cooking hacks. And of course, garden advice. So it's Mm -hmm. huge in the garden. As I mentioned, you know, people are walking around doing tours of garden centers, talking about their favorite plants, their the cat in the garden center, and you know who's not tagged in that because they don't exist on TikTok, that garden center. So, you know, it it people making content for our our industry, and we're Mm -hmm. just it's going into the void because a lot of the people aren't even seeing it to be able to thank them or share it. So um, there's a lot of great people that we love on TikTok, including Matthew. Do you want people to follow you? Do you share your handle on this? I, I haven't, you know what? I, I haven't, but it'll probably just be uh, eventually at natural affinity designs. I honestly haven't even my signed up my own business yet. Joanna, I think yeah, you've yeah. signed up though. Yes. Yes. Katie GMG. So I have one, um, and we've worked with some TikTokers this year. Native plant talk is one of my favorites. So That's he's great. got, Ooh, you know, that would be a good one. Hundreds hundreds of thousands of followers. And um, we worked with him on a video that got 2 
million views. So that's the other interesting thing about TikTok, unlike our other social media platforms, is that you do not have to have a ton of followers in order to get seen. The democratization has changed a little bit here. So TikTok has a for you page. So when you log right on, it shows you things that you have shown interest in before. Don't ask me what that interest is. Is it your eye, you know, like a smile? I, I don't know. And I know that like we've talked about technology before this, but there is a secret algorithm that shows what you're yes. interested in. It's not even just liking the content. So this content shows up on the For You page that might all be about plants. Mine's all about plants and chickens and some parenting hacks. Um, <laughs> and it's, it, you know, you discover these people that might only have, you know, 10,000 followers, but their their videos have millions of views. So it's really interesting in that way where you're not trying to just get followers. You're trying to produce really interesting content. Um, and that's where Plant Talk comes in. There's some really interesting content there where we we talk about our overarching trend of self-expression, where we're seeing a lot of kind of mi micro trends happening on Plant Talk. Uh, one of them that we're seeing is called Gnome Core. So it's oh. this idea of people living their lives in this kind of cozy, like um, self-care, you know, that they're good and sensible people. They're living their lives as if they were gnomes, not like dressing up as gnomes, but just the idea of whimsy and eclectic and gardens filled with bold textures and textiles and art. And just the idea of how people, you know, if we were gnomes, this is what our TikTok would look like. So it's really, really <laughs> fun and lighthearted. Um, we're also seeing in the plant talk space, the trend of witch talk which is huge, huge, oh, over 20 billion views on the hash, hashtag witch talk. And it's not, you know, people casting spells, it's people <laughs> passing down inherited knowledge and the idea of ceremony and uh, ancestral roots and people really like talking about things unique to their region. And they're using herbs, they're growing herbs to make teas. And it is just a really beautiful thing. Of course, there's some magic in there, um, but it is this idea of ritual and you, how plants tie into that ritual. And then the wow. last trend that we're seeing on Plant Talk specifically is moon gardens, which are not new at all. Mm -hmm. by oh. But you're seeing this idea of like, you know, the mindfulness spirals or planting by the, the phases of the, the moon, moon, all these yeah. things that have been, you know, around forever, but it's trending. We also use Google Trends sometimes when we're when we see a term, we look on Google Trends to see what Google thinks about it. And they tell you when a trend they think has peaked or will peak. And Google said moon gardens are peaking in 2023, which blows my mind. I'm like, we've been talking about it for hundreds of years, but this is yeah. the, this is their year. So it's really neat to think about how people are either creating new things on TikTok mm -hmm. or finding some of our old things that we've always loved. Because mm -hmm. moon gardening would be, be very much an indigenous, you know, people's Absolutely. the way that they treated the land, yes. um, that type of thing. And I always I feel like with climate change, we should really be, you know, asking and learning more from from the people who've been here the longest on our land, you know, well, and are so much more attuned with nature, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely. So. So, yeah, that is very interesting about because I attended a talk a few years ago uh, from from an indigenous lady talking about gardening by the faces of the moon. And it was wow. fascinating. Fascinating. I have read a lot about it, too, because especially growing flower bulbs, they say there's a certain, you know, as the moon yep. is waxing or waning, you plant them and your garlic, a lot of bulbs, really, it has to do with, too. But yeah. um, I believe I fully believe in that people have been doing it for a reason for so long. Um, yes. 
Sign yeah. If it isn't broke, what, right? Why yep. fix it? Yep. Yeah, definitely. Oh my goodness. Um, so I'm kind of curious about the next trend, um, all yep. Greek to me. So is that kind of tie in with your mom's France from 21 years ago? <laughs> it you know? does. I, I, you're the first person to make that connection, but yes. So um, we also use uh, Pinterest. And we look, Pinterest has an annual trends report they put out every year. And it was maybe five years ago that really gardening started showing up on their trends. And it was water gardens. And so we thought, hmm, that's interesting. It didn't make it in our report because it was not something that we saw kind of in other areas of of what we what our research showed but we started to pay attention to pinterest we thought this is super cool that mm -hmm. they're you know typically a home or a party planning let's say type site and gardening is starting to show up there so ever since then they've had a huge section of that report devoted to your exterior and the things that are people are searching for their exterior and so this year uh we were reading through it and um discovered that Generation Z is really into Grecian design. And one of the things that really caught my attention was that they're embracing this trend more than ever. They're putting up statues in their yards and boxwood hedges are seeing a revival. And I thought, are you kidding me? This is crazy. And then of course, in my private life, I have friends who have asked me constantly last year, I need an evergreen hedge. I need an evergreen hedge. I need an evergreen, you know, I need something new that's evergreen. And um, then there's one other thing that we wanted gravel gardens. Gravel gardens are also having a moment, but they weren't quite yeah. big enough to be their own trend. And so yeah. we thought, oh, this is it. This is, Greece is the word right now. <laughs> and um, the idea of this scrappy garden, the Mediterranean's, style. Of course, we love native plants and we've talked about them for years, but how can we figure out how to get native plants in every year? Really? That's our little secret. Um, yeah. and this is another way to figure out, you know, like in the Mediterranean climate, these plants are drought tolerant. So figuring out what your native region is, what your native plants are, but you know, drought really is pushing itself eastward. Our Western um, part of North America, as I think is more Southwest and of course is more accustomed to drought and harvesting gray water, but that's not something that we've done out here on the East Coast. Right. But this summer here in Philadelphia, we had the driest summer in on record. So um, it's something that we're really going to need to figure out how to grow and adapt to have more drought tolerant plants. And gravel gardens is one really, really fun way that we've we found people are doing this. I don't know if, if you've seen or if you guys have designed any gravel gardens. I haven't, but I've noticed it in on Instagram. I have to say, I've noticed a few, uh, and I was kind of like, "Hmm, that's interesting." Because yeah. I tend to, I think I've had, I've had clients ask for it because they think it's low maintenance, which it is yeah. not. Because yeah. you know, so I think I've, I've convinced two this past year to go to mulch instead of gravel. So I guess in a way I've been asked for it, but, uh, I, I, you know, because they do think it's, it's, it's still, you know, we'd still grow and, and, yeah. you know, you know, it's, it's, it's not for everybody. So, uh, so yeah. It so is there's, not for everybody. I'm, yeah. So my whole down to earth, like I'm just very practical with my advice. So, um, you know, and taking, I always say like, even with river rock, right? Like they go down by the bag, but when you have to get it out, it's a lot more work, right? A lot of work. <laughs> And that's what one of my colleagues whose um, partner works at a botanic garden and she has a gravel garden. She said, I want people to know that it's a lot of work to get it established. 
-hmm. it is, it is, it could take three years, but once it is established, they look great in the heat. They're, you know, require less inputs, fertilizer, water. Um, and so it does in the end require less maintenance, but it is, it is a, a, a bit of work to get it set up. Um, and I think that someone helped me understand if you live in a really hot climate, the gravel can actually reflect the heat. So it's definitely yes. not for everybody, but it's mm -hmm. helping people maybe as we, you know, we were talking about lawns earlier and getting rid of the grass and figuring out if you can't grow grass, making sure that you can have a place that plants can thrive and grow. That's the big thing here, right? Let's get, get mm -hmm. rid of turf and put in some more native plants. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of things moving, drought moving eastward, um, our next trend, I think you call it redrawing the map. Does yep. that have anything it, to do with? It does. And this, I know, you know, it's like children. I'm not supposed to pick a favorite, but this one is my favorite. <laughs> um, so redrawing the map talks about the shifting hardiness climate zones and, you know, whatever zones, wherever you live, you understand that the weather is wacky. We were talking earlier about yeah. how here in Pennsylvania, we would have had feet of snow already and we've had none. It was 65 degrees today. So um, it's going to be 73 on Thursday. So it oh really my. is, it's just wild. And um, yes, we, you know, climate change is, is happening, but what is what are some of the solutions and what are some of the challenges besides these these insane weather events you know earthquakes hurricanes tornadoes um we know that trees are a big solution one of the solutions to helping us fight this this warming climate but we've got damage from heat and stress you know all of our plants are also finding themselves in kind of an uncomfortable situation mm -hmm. and yeah. You know, our perennials, we can figure out which perennials will work for our area it, within three years, right? We can regrow perennials, shrubs, maybe within five years, but we cannot do the same thing with our old trees. And so it's really important that we figure out what our trees of the future are, because trees are a big thing that are going to help us mitigate this climate change. But the trees that we are planting today may not survive the next hundred years of our climate. So um, we work with the Davy Tree Expert Company and they have offices all over North America. And they did some research as to what those trees for specific regions will be the ones that will thrive in the next hundred years. And so we need to make these informed decisions about what trees we're planting now, plant more of them. Of course, we need to care for our big old trees that we already mm -hmm. have. Yeah. Um, but there's a public forward thinking public gardens have like there's one in Maine that has a trees of the future exhibit. And so they're educating people who live in Maine about what trees they should be ch planting and it's changing. So people who could plant beech now are planting maples or, you know, it's, it's these, it's not as simple as that always, but it is a new palette of trees. And, um, it's it's a really great thing to help people understand that this this green infrastructure could really help us have the climate change resilience. Wow. Is the switch to native trees then more native trees versus certainly more native trees, but we're looking at some of the even some of the state trees that we have here in the states and looking to see are they not going to necessarily anymore be the ones that that thrive in the future. So certainly some native trees will be part of that, but also of different zones. So we can grow warmer trees here now. The mm -hmm. the trees that survive in maybe a zone warmer than me can, will survive here, but not necessarily trees that need a, a frost, you know, so things right. like that. 
Fascinating. But one of the really fascinating points about these, you know, million tree, as we started doing this research, um, there are a lot of these million billion tree planting initiatives. And Mm -hmm. so we kind of stumbled upon a few articles about the dark side of those and that it's those trees that are planted. You know, you think you're doing something good by buying from a company that says they plant a tree for every purchase, but the average tree lives for two to three years. Mm -hmm. So yes, it's doing great things for our industry by selling trees, but we need to really help people understand not just the right tree, you know, what is that tree of the future? But as you guys, you know, well, I mean, I'm sure preach planting it the right way and choosing the right place. So mm-hmm. really figuring out right tree, right place and planting it in the right way. Um, and then care, caring for it. You know, that's a big mm-hmm. part of these, these tree success is making sure that they do get that long-term care. So they live for the next hundred years. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think people realizing that it's not what it's not planted and done, you know, even if it's planted by somebody else for them. Uh, Cause I know I have a client that uh, we're going to do a planting this year and their, you know, their one request uh, was that they, you know, be installed early spring, you know, everybody wants early spring, but it was because they were going on a trip in mid May. Oh. So they'd be away for three weeks. So they wanted the, tr- they wanted everything planted before they went away. So during our Zoom call, I kind of explained to them that, you know, I think it'd be best if we waited until you returned and, you know, that importance of watering it and that first few months for sure are very important. And, uh, and they were, they had started thinking that way as well. So they, they Good. said, yeah, we were wondering about that. And, yeah. and so, um, so yeah, so now we will plant, you. you know, the end of May when they are back and home to you. kind of baby the trees, but that happens a lot. We will, and sometimes they don't even tell us we're just finishing putting in their landscape and they like on a Friday and and then they say oh we're going to the cottage tomorrow for the whole week like next week literally we've had to get people to have like arrangements to have neighbors water or me or a contractor's gone back to water so I think that something you know people forget that they are living and they are they do need care especially when they first uh, go in but even after that yep I know people always ask one of the big questions that these this baby tree company gets asked is, do I still need to water my big trees? And it's, you know, it all depends, of course, is the answer. Yes. Uh, yeah. But how much rain <clears> have you had? Are you in the drought? Have you, we've had, like I've mentioned a thousand times, no snowpack this year. Yes. So our trees are surely going to be going into spring struggling a little bit. Yeah, mm. for sure. For sure. And the big tree is something Matt and I always make sure we stress and we do talk about it in our book is the drip line. So you will see yeah. if you go down an established neighborhood in a drought, you know, summer, you will see somebody out there watering the trunk of their tree, you know, and God bless them. But that's not where the roots are. And that's not where the water needs to be. So you need to like, look up and look at where the drip line is. And and if that's your lawn, so sometimes you're killing two birds with one stone, right? You're watering your yeah. lawn, but you're really watering the tree. So, yeah. um, so yeah. Oh so my gosh. Love reminding we, people of that, right? I knew we would get along. I literally have been known to stop and do two things. One, if someone is just like spray watering all their plants, just leaves, I've been known to stop and kindly tell them how it's done and also stop when people are volcano mulching. I have yes. told landscapers, yes. you should not burn up a volcano mulch a tree. Yeah. yeah, so you don't want to be taking a road trip with me. Yeah, for sure. And do you, like I take invasive plants out of their their cart at the nursery. I'm like, no, no, you don't want to buy that. No, no, yes. no, you don't want to buy that. Yes. Yeah, so we're just good stewards. I know. So sometimes knowledge is, you know, now well they say knowledge power. is power, but yeah, <laughs> annoying. 
annoying. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Oh, for sure. Well, we well, come to we... our last trend. Yes. Yes, we have. So we this is always all. the most anticipated, uh, which is so funny to me. Pantone does a color of the year. And um, in 2020, so our 2021 report, we left it out. It didn't feel like, you know, I wanted to pick gray. And it was like, I don't really feel like naming a color this year. Um, and people were like, no, we want the color. So I think it's just really fun. You know, we're not expecting anyone to go out and change their entire you know, backyard, all their accessories, paint their walls. But really, it is fun to look and see what the color trends are for the year. And this year, we were going back and forth between a deep, uh, like a, a bright red and what we ended up choosing, which was terracotta. And I'm really glad we chose terracotta, even though Pantone did choose their magenta. Um, <laughs> I think that this idea of uh, earthy tones is what we just kept seeing over and over again, the earth tones, the calming nature of it. And when we were thinking about our overarching trend, this individuality um, for us, that connection with the earth, it all really tied in. Mm -hmm. And the first time I gave this presentation in front of an audience and I said terracotta, the audience oohed and odd. And I have never, I mean, I've been watching my mom do this for 20 years. <laughs> last 10 and I have never had an audience ooh, you know when they you say yeah. so I think <laughs> as an industry obviously it's a very special color for us um mm -hmm. but it's also a color associated with warmth and excitement and I think that the other thing here is is urging people to think outside the box when it comes to color so our terracotta not just pots so of course yeah. we've got amazing terracotta pots but think about your plants so you know the adobe orange cone flower tacoma red hot um copper top sweet viburnum so if you deadhead the viburnum the new color that comes back in fall is this like terracotta color so what are some of your plant palettes that you could pick that are in these earthy tones and so that's what we're really urging people to try to think about Maybe your pots will have a center stage, but also think about this color for your plant palette too. Wow, that oh is really God. neat. Yeah, and I think <laughs> that terracotta also ties in with the Greek theme as well, right? Because yes. they're European, Mediterranean. Definitely. You see them on all the balconies, you know, they're growing, they're tropical, they're only, you know, so yeah. Yes. Yes, someone else made that. I forgot to bring that up too. Absolutely. Um, it definitely ties into that Grecian theme and that idea of that Mediterranean earthy tone colors. Amazing. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thank so you very it. much. You're welcome. That you was so through. fun. That is always fun. It's always fun having you here and joining us on the show to talk about all the amazing trends. I think Joanne and I, as well as all of our listeners, learn so much about what's coming up and kind of looking beyond the page or just outside the box. So thank you again, Katie, yeah. for joining us here on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. And thank you so for gu guiding us too, because I think it really helps Matt and I kind of, you know, figure out what we want to talk about on the show. So, and we have already um, because of course we had advanced copies of, of the garden trends. So, uh, so yeah. So thank you very much for inspiring us. Of course. Indeed. And I love being on and I love being able to share this with you guys. Excellent. 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 I'll send you the booking invite for 2024 after the show. <laughs> awesome. Well, right. thank you so much again. And so, yeah, everybody who's listening, we will definitely have uh, the Garden Media Group's backslash trends for you to go and check out this year's report, as well as all the other 
years reviews or reports as well. And don't forget, we'll also have in our show notes uh, the all the other Garden Media Group links. They have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and many more. So definitely uh, check out Katie and the Garden Media Group and all the amazing information they have there. And TikTok. And, and TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> TikTok. I was going to say that, yeah. I didn't do TikTok. Okay, I have to add TikTok. And I don't know <laughs> okay. how I missed it. <laughs> so as we come to the end of the show uh do we have time to do stepping stones or do we want to just i think so well why don't you mention your peanuts so well yeah one of our tips um is is definitely um you know there are some things that we can start looking for seeds uh, and going out and buying some seeds now is the great time to grab a good selection i was saying to uh, joanne and gary just before the show i have a a pinstriped Ecuadorian peanut that I like to grow. I was testing some. Uh, So if you've got some of those longer day uh, plants, maybe starting to think, you know, planting that garden, planting your vegetable space when you may or may not need to start them inside. So Mm -hmm. uh, take a look at the seeds. I just planted some now. They take 140 days, uh, which is going to be July 10th for me. Uh, But I can use the rest of the, the year as well to plant another so yeah definitely take a look at your seeds get your space planned out you were saying as we were talking about the peanuts you've just gotten your space and your lights all ready and set up yeah so in the past i've I've always done it backwards and and then i've like started the seeds in you know just on a whim and then it's like they start to grow and it's like uh oh i need to get you know my lights and blah 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 so this time i was a little bit more organized and uh set up the rack and i think we found like a more permanent place so i don't have to keep scrambling every year I've been doing I was doing it just on my dining room table for a few years but now I've got I actually have a rack with uh, two sets of lights and I did set that up in our what we call like our workroom uh, at home so I have that all ready to go and I've washed out the containers I love those plastic containers you know that mushrooms come in yeah um yeah, yeah. so I saved a bunch Little of those yeah the uh, well the clamshell ones but also like the blue ones you know they're kind of plastic so, because I found the seed tray, like, because I'm only doing a little bit of different things. So, right, the bottom of the mushrooms. Yes. Yeah, those containers. Yes, yes. So, I like, I, it was easier because I found when I use a big sheet or a big, um, uh, I want to say pan, but a big plastic tray, then I forget what things are and I the labels get moved and the tags. So, I feel like it's easier if I keep all the same seeds uh, the same in those containers. So, yeah, so I like that. So, yeah, so now is the time we talk about it in our and uh, our book and down the garden path in February that seed starting um, don't start too soon but uh, definitely check the back of your packages for the time to start and sweet potato vine as well that's another thing to we can talk about because next week we're talking about March in the garden that's right lots of tips to grow what's coming up as we continue our discussion next week here on the down the garden path live on reality radio 101 We will see you all next week. Thank you for tuning in. Bye. Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your host, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing right here on Reality Radio 101.